All right, let's open our Bibles tonight to Romans chapter number 15, if you would please. Romans chapter number 15. Uh, it's funny, when Pastor mentioned, of course, time tonight, I was so concerned about that this afternoon. And, uh, and so I took an entire point out of my message tonight, and somehow the message got longer. I don't know how that happens. And, uh, but somebody told me last time I preached that my wife does a really good job preparing messages. So if the message goes over tonight, it's my wife's fault. I just want you to know that I'm just the messenger. Uh, but we certainly look forward how the Lord is going to speak to us tonight. While you're turning there, uh, my wife and I do want to wish each and every one of you a very Merry Christmas. We hope that you will enjoy the next few days uh, with family and friends. It was uh, Winston Churchill who once said Christmas is a season not only of rejoicing, but of reflecting. And uh, as we celebrate this Christmas season, may we be mindful of how good God has been. I would like to start with something a little funny, uh, if you don't mind. It is personally uh, one of my favorite jokes this time of the year. Uh, it goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a little boy named Johnny who uh, told his mother that he wanted a new bicycle for Christmas. But due to their limited finances uh, and uh, Johnny not behaving as he should... She suggested that uh, he go write a letter to Jesus and uh, pray that God give him one. Uh, well, Johnny, probably like many of our young people, didn't like that answer so much. And uh, he started to display a bad attitude. So his mother sent him to his room where he decided to write this letter. Dear Jesus, I've been a good boy this year and would really appreciate a new bicycle. Your friend, Johnny. Of course, Johnny understood that Jesus knew how bad Johnny had really been, so he ripped up that letter and decided to give it another try. Dear Jesus, I've been an okay boy this year, and I'd really like a new bicycle. Yours truly, Johnny. But Johnny knew that wasn't really honest either, so he tore up that letter and tried again. Dear Jesus... I've thought about being a good boy this year. Can I have a new bicycle? Signed, Johnny. Still conflicted, uh, Johnny looked deep down into his heart. He crumpled up that letter, threw it in the trash, and went running outside, frustrated, realizing he really didn't deserve it, but he really wanted a new bicycle. He aimlessly wandered about, thinking about how he treated his parents and really thought about his actions. He finally found himself in front of a Catholic church. Searching for an answer, Johnny went inside and knelt down, looking around, not knowing what really he should do. He finally got up and began to walk out the door, and as he was leaving, he noticed all these little statues nearby. All of a sudden, a light bulb went off in his head. So he grabbed one of the small statues, ran out the door, went home, hid it under his bed, and began to write this letter. Jesus I've broken most of the Ten Commandments, shot spit wads in school, tore up my sister's Barbie doll, and lots more. I'm desperate. I've got your mama, and if you ever want to see her again, give me a bike signed, you know who. <laughs> Tonight, I want to really do two things. First, I want us to rejoice in the hope of Christmas. I want us to rejoice uh, in the hope of Jesus Christ. But I also want us to think about next year, and I want us to prepare 
for next year. It is hard to believe that 2023 is right around the corner. And as you know, our theme for next year is a double portion. We, no doubt, want to see God do great things in our life. We want to see God do a great work in our family. We want to see God do a great work in our church. And while we can come up with all of the excuses as to uh, why something cannot be done, I would remind you the Bible says, with God all things are possible. Emphasis on with God. One of the things our pastor has said when commenting on the things that we're going to accomplish next year, he said, how are we going to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit? And therein lies our hope. Hope for our family, hope uh, for our nation, hope for our church. I want us to consider our text tonight, Romans chapter number 15, and we'll begin reading in verse number 4. The Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again praise the Lord all ye Gentiles and laud him all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Paul is speaking, if I could say it this way, concerning the hope of Christmas... That Christ came not to save a select few, but all those that would believe on him. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. This year you'll find uh, many words that we will put emphasis on. If we were to separate, you know, of course, Emmanuel and Jesus, we would find words like believe or joy or peace or hope. That word hope speaks of our trust. It, it speaks of our desire or expectation for something to come to pass. Much like in just a few short days, the hope of many children on Christmas morning is the desire to unwrap something they have put on their Christmas list, a.k.a. their Amazon wish list. But if you think about it in the Old Testament, they had hope in the coming Messiah. They had put their faith and trust in that hope. They had a desire and expectation of things to come. And just as they had hope, we have hope tonight. Do we not have a desire to see our Lord? Do we not have a desire to hear those trumpets sound? Do we not have a desire to see our home in heaven? Do we not put our hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? 
But while we have a hope for things to come, I would remind you this evening that we have a hope for the here and now. We have a desire to see souls saved. We have a desire to build a work for the Lord. And the Bible says that we can abound in that hope, as the scripture says, through the power of the Holy Ghost. Tonight, for just a few moments, I want to speak to you on that thought, hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight and we ask that you would speak to each and every one of our hearts as we think about the Christmas season, as we think about the hope that is found in you. Lord, we ask tonight that you would comfort us, that you would challenge us, that you would convict us if need be, that we would be who you've called us to be for this day and in this hour that we might accomplish a work for you. Speak to each and every one of our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 13, where it says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that she may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you realize what that means? That means there is hope. As hard as it is to believe with all the corruption that we can find in Washington, with all of the perversion that we can find in the education system of the day, with all of the chaos and confusion all around us in this wicked society, in this day and in this hour, there is hope. There is hope for our nation. There is hope for our family. There is hope for our church. And the Bible says that we can abound in that hope because our hope is in the power of the Holy Spirit. You might ask, did you not see what Disney did? Doesn't matter what Disney did. My hope is not in Disney. You you might ask, did you hear what the president said? Well, that's if he formed a sentence, but my hope is not in the president. My hope is in the power of the Holy Spirit. My hope is in Christ. And until the trumpet sounds, that means that God has a work for us to do through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we should abound in that hope. Now, we won't take time to do it, but if we were to look over the last uh, few chapters, Paul speaks not only of our salvation and the will of God in overcoming evil with good, but he speaks of our Christian liberty, he speaks of our love for one another, and he speaks of us being like-minded. Can I say, if we are going to do a great work for God in the year to come, it will take love for one another, but it will take a people who are like-minded, striving together for the sake of the gospel. Like-minded in the faith, like those in one accord, found united by the Spirit of God in Acts chapter number 2, and that great revival on the day of Pentecost, united in prayer, united in their proclamation that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That is what Christmas is all about. That is our hope, that God sent not His Son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And because of that, may we with one mind and one mouth glorify God. May we rejoice that on that Christmas morning, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son.
It is this hope that we have in our hearts. This hope for this day and this hour. It is our comfort in this day of chaos and confusion. And because of that hope, we are challenged through great conviction to proclaim the gospel to a lost and dying world. And may we never neglect the responsibility that God has given us to go and preach that message. This is the hope we have for society. This is the hope we have for every soul. This is why we need a double portion. This is why uh, we are building a work for God. If I could just say it so boldly tonight, because this city needs a lighthouse. This city needs a spiritual hospital. This city needs a church. And here's the great news. There's hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is what gives us the ability to operate in God's love. It teaches us to be grounded in truth, but it enables us to grow in grace. It teaches us that sinners need forgiveness, but we must stand firm. It is that same spirit that showed us compassion, that God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is that same compassion that gives us the compassion to make a difference in this world in our home and in our city. It empowers us to be a light in a dark world. It has the power to heal sinners. It has the power to hold back Satan. It is what moves us with great unction as servants of God, born again believers to stand against the wiles of the devil. For as Charles Spurgeon once said, without the spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without wind. We are, we are useless. We are without hope. But church... We are not without hope tonight. Very quickly, I want to give you three thoughts, and then we'll be through. Number one, when I consider this hope, I believe this hope is best seen in our salvation. For time's sake, we won't turn there, but in John chapter 16, the Bible speaks of the spirit of truth. That which will guide us into all truth. Truth that will reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Truth that will set us free. And does our society not need to be set free from the bondage of sin and perversion that is going on all around us? But that truth is the truth that we are to proclaim. Aren't you glad for the day that you heard the truth? Maybe it was a preacher, maybe it was a sewer, maybe it was a family member, but it was the Holy Spirit working through them to guide you and lead you into all truth. Can I tell you what the Holy Spirit, through his convictions, shows this lost world? He shows them that the wages of sin is death. He shows them that there is a lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. But through that conviction also comes compassion. For he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come under repentance. Could I just, in the light of the season, say it this way? He knows who's been naughty or nice. He knows who deserves coal. And yet he gives compassion he showed us a way out through the lord jesus christ on calvary for he is the way the truth and the life this gift is not one we earn or deserve isn't it amazing this time of the year there'll be many children who 
will act like they deserve what you're going to give them. They think because they have been good for three weeks out of the entire year, you owe them everything on their Christmas list. They might forget how bad that they have been, but you have not. You understand what I mean? But aren't you glad tonight that the Lord doesn't keep a list of how we have wronged him but shows us compassion? It is a gift that we've not earned or deserved. It is not based on our works. It is not based on what church we belong to. It is not based on our religious traditions. It is not based on who we're related to or who our friends are. This gift of salvation, this hope that we have, the very reason we celebrate Christmas, is because of what Jesus came to do on the cross of Calvary. And aren't you glad that we serve a God who is still saving sinners? That he is still in the miracle working business? That he is still answering prayer? This is and has always been the hope of man. I know that there are a lot of people out there that they look to a specific political party or they will look to their government, but our hope is not in the government. But let me just go further. I'm not just talking about our hope. I'm talking about the only hope that man has ever had, whether they are lost or saved. Their only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is still the hope for today. I want you to notice this as I was thinking about this. I, I, don't, I don't know what it was, but it just, it just brought so much rejoicing in my life. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter number 1. Very quickly, Genesis chapter number 1. And I want us to look at the first three verses. We often talk about how dark our day is getting. Uh, We often sometimes, to our shame, as an excuse, we will talk about how men are waxing worse and worse. Just a side note, men may wax wax worse and worse, but God's power does not wax less and less. And so we often talk about these things. We see wickedness every which way we turn. We see the sin and idolatry. And I think that we would all agree uh, that, uh, that there is a great void in our nation today. But I want you to notice this. It's just, this just hit me different. Genesis chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Notice this now. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Did you see in verse 2 where it says, and the Spirit of God moved? Isn't it interesting, by the voice of God and through the moving of the Holy Spirit, where there was darkness, now there is light. I like what someone once said. They said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. Do you remember that when you were lost 
and in your sin, there was a void. You were in the darkness of your own condition, but through the work and power of the Holy Spirit, as he moved and you heard the gospel, the moment you called upon the name of the Lord, where there was darkness, now there is light. There is hope, and this hope through the power of the Holy Spirit is seen in our salvation. Number two, this hope is seen in our sanctification. We'll get to it in a little bit, but I want in the back of your mind to be thinking like this. Why is it in our society everything seems hopeless? I want you to think about that as we work through this thought. Listen carefully in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit as our teacher. As one who compares the spiritual with the spiritual. Revealing unto us the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. It speaks of one who judges all things carefully and spiritually. It speaks of having, having on the mind of Christ. At the same time, it speaks of the natural man. Who receives not the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I think of Titus chapter 2. The Bible speaks about the same spirit that guided us into all truth. The same uh, grace, the same spirit that saves us and seals us is teaching us. It says this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. We rejoice in that. We rejoice in our salvation, but it goes on in verse 12, teaching us that. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. When we think, of course, of uh, justification, uh, that speaks of us being saved from the penalty of sin, and we rejoice in that tonight. When we uh, think of glorification, that speaks of us being uh, saved from the very presence of sin, and we look forward uh, to that day. That is our hope tonight. But when we think of sanctification, that speaks of us being saved from the very power of sin. What does that mean? It means it speaks of us living a godly, holy life. And I have news for you. If you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're saved, if you've been born again, if you are no longer bound by the power of sin, then you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. But I love this. If you were to look up the word sanctification, it means the state of proper functioning. I debated on telling this story, but I don't know why. I just, I'll, I'll just tell it. Uh, several months ago, uh, I was playing with my four-year-old niece. And it was before a church service. And uh, this girl just wanted to run and run and run. And she kept running up this hill. And I don't know if you're at this place in your life. I run up the hill two times and I'm done. I need to go sit down. And there was just, I, I'm telling you, she had a Red Bull before she went for a run. There was just no stop. And so uh, I, I decided, I was like, I'm not going to run back and forth. She can have fun. I'll watch her. And my brother comes out. And as my brother comes out, uh, you know, she's asking her dad to run around with her. And, you know, he's just acting like he's running, but he's really running in place. And, um, and he, he asked this question to my four-year-old niece. He goes, how in the world 
How in the world can you just run nonstop like this? Now, I'm just telling you what she said. She said, and I quote, Well, I go potty, and then I turn into a boy cat. Now, that makes no sense, but to my four-year-old niece, uh, the way she can properly function and run and run and run and run around like that is for her to go potty and turn into a boy cat. Now, there is a lot that we could say there, especially about some Christians that, you know, they walk into church now and then, and we're like, you know what? That frown needs to be turned up. We We won't go down that. We won't go down that path tonight. But that word sanctification, it means the state of proper functioning. It speaks of being set apart uh, for a specific use intended by its designer. An illustration provided is a pen is sanctified when it is used to write. Don't miss this now. Many of you have been saved. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And there is hope because of all of that. But why is it our day seems hopeless? Perhaps our day seems hopeless because there are a lot of Christians who are not living the sanctified life. They are not living according to their intended use. I think of our young people and how important it is for them to not just remember what they've been taught, but to live what they've been taught. My dad used to often say, truth not lived is truth not learned. And I I don't know what uh, our young people have gotten for their parents or people around the church, but I I can tell our young people without a shadow of doubt what would please their God and their parents more than anything is for you to walk in truth. That's what your parents really want for you. They could care less about you buying them off of something on Amazon or Walmart. That's nice. I'm sure that they still want that. But they would rather you live the sanctified life. And I just want to remind you, uh, the day that your life will transform is when it's no longer the church's standards or, the, or your parents' convictions or, or what somebody else believes, but it's your belief, it's your convictions, it is your standards. That is how you'll make it one day. What does the Bible say? That there is no greater joy than to know that our children walk in truth. Could I say doing that, young people, that is the state of proper functioning. That is uh, what God has intended for you. But church, we could talk about them all night long, but the reality is, are we living up to the intended purpose that God has for us? Instead of submitting to the Holy Spirit, sometimes we're grieving the Holy Spirit. Instead of denying in godliness and worldly lust and living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, sometimes we're just living as those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. They are lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. They are proud and high-minded. They they boast and blaspheme. They're unthankful and unholy. If I could just say it this way, they are without proper function. We'll just skip over this year if you don't mind, but in 2023, I don't want it to be said of the Emmanuel Baptist Church that we're a church without proper function. I don't want it to be said of me as a member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church that I'm a member, but I'm a member without 
proper function. No, as a church and as an individual member, but more than all of that, as a child of God, I want God to look down upon us and say, hey, they are fulfilling the purpose that I have for them. You see, there is hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, but that hope can only be seen in our sanctification. Because when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we hinder the Holy Spirit. We hinder what uh, the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life and through our lives. Church, if I could say it this way, as we get in the new year, may we function as God intended. I'm talking about living according to our purpose to glorify God, to proclaim the gospel. I like what Oswald Chambers once said. He said, sanctification is not my idea of what I want God to do for me. Sanctification is God's idea of what he wants to do for me. Can I tell you, God not only wanted to spare you from the penalty of sin, he wanted to spare you from the power of sin, a life of sin, because sin will rob you of your joy. Sin will rob you of your peace. It will rob you of that double portion. It will rob you of the blessings of God. Our fear, maybe we have a difference of opinion on this, but you just listen. Our fear should not be losing a political cycle. Our our fear should not be the programming on the television. Although, Although these things are concerning and they should be a concern to us, But our fear should be going about our day-to-day lives without the presence and power of God in our lives. That should be our fear. Our fear should not be the life society lives. But are we living the sanctified life? What grieves the Holy Spirit is not the lack of light in the world, but that the light believers choose to hide under a bushel. There is hope today, and we should rejoice in that hope, hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, but that hope is seen in our sanctification. And if we desire God to do great things in the year to come, may we all do our part to bring about God's blessing. Third and finally, I said this hope is seen in our salvation. This hope is uh, seen uh, in our sanctification. But third and finally, this, this hope is seen in second chances. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible speaks of the Spirit of God who helps us, who guides us, and at times when we uh, know not what we should pray, makes intercession for us according to the word of God. None of us are perfect. I think we could all testify to that. There are times that we won't be what we should. Now, I'm thankful for my eternal security. I'm thankful for my security, my hope, and, and, and that is that my salvation is not in the palm of my hand, but in the palm of God, in the hand of God. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. But the best of men, the best of men are men at best. That's why the Bible says a just man falls seven times and rises up again. But can I tell you that gives me hope? It gives me peace and it gives me joy. I I know I can never lose what I've obtained. We may lose the security of family and friends. We may lose the security of finances. But we can never lose the security of our forgiveness. But beyond that, beyond that, we find a God of second chances. As pictured in the story of the prodigal son, though... One may go into the far country living uh, sinfully and foolishly, though uh, fellowship may have been broken between that son and father, they were still of the same blood. The father could not disown the son any more the son could disown the father. 
And can I tell you what God the Father sees when he looks at us? He sees the blood of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that, knowing that God's love for us is unconditional, can I just say, if you find yourself in the far country tonight living foolishly, it is time to come home. That old cliche, I'll be home for Christmas. Well, if you're here, though you may be here, you may be far from God. Can I tell you? It is time to come home. Because just as the prodigal got a second chance to live according to his purpose, to function properly as his, as his father's child, God wants us to have that same opportunity. Don't waste it. For some, can I just say, it's time to get up. This Christmas, if there is a gift that you can give God, it's to, be, it's to come back to him. Never think God can't redeem you or restore you. He's forgiven you. He's a God of second chances. I think about story after story in the Bible. Think about it with me, if you will, just for a moment, and we'll be through. Peter, actively involved. Uh, we'd all agree that Peter was just, he, he was not only a faithful member, but he was involved in everything. Faithful to the Lord fell. He denied the Lord. He walked away from God. He got around the wrong crowd. But Peter got a second chance. And look at the revival through the power of the Holy Spirit God used him to bring about. Paul was given a second chance. He had a chance when he heard Stephen, the first deacon, preach. But Saul, who became Paul, held the coats of those that would stone Stephen. It was Saul who persecuted the church, but then one day on the road to Damascus, as darkness filled his life, as there was a <clears throat> void in his heart, as the Spirit of God began to move, Saul was confronted with the gospel. Saul saw the compassion of God, and Saul was given a second chance. I think of the wicked day. And by the way, if, if, if you don't think that you can live in the wicked day, just go live in the day of Noah. You're like, that's not possible. I'm just saying this. If Noah could do it, you can do it. In the wicked day and hour in which Noah lived, God regretted that he had ever made man. Man who sacrificed innocent children on the fiery altars of false gods. Man who worshipped creation more than the creator. Man who did that what was right in his own eyes. God was ready to destroy the world and all of mankind with a flood. But God looked down on man and what did God see? God saw Noah. And the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah wasn't sinless. But Noah was doing his Best to live the sanctified life. Don't miss this. It wasn't just Noah and his family that were spared. Mankind was spared that day. Mankind received a second chance through Noah and his family that day. We think of the city of Nineveh a place that would persecute God's people. We judge Noah, but the reality is we wouldn't want to go. Nineveh would take people like Jonah and they would tie them up and, and they would rip their bodies apart and then in humiliation drag their bodies and they would all rejoice as though it was some, uh, some sport to them. I could understand uh, Jonah's hesitation. I can understand Jonah's hate. That does not excuse Jonah. But we think about how wicked of a city 
Nineveh was. Sometimes we will criticize Jonah. Well, if I was him, I would have went, and I would just ask this very quickly, and we'll move on from it. If that's true, are you going now? You see, Nineveh might be the next-door neighbor. Nineveh might be the uh, development just down the road from you. Uh, that Nineveh to you just might be somebody that has God, God has put in your life. The question is, have you preached the gospel to them? Have you told them about what God has done in your heart? Hey, let's be quick to judge Jonah, but let's not be so quick to say, if I was Jonah, I would do it, because are we doing it now? I think of Christmas stories. Uh, without a doubt, many of us screw up on these. We think of the Grinch that stole Christmas. And we could play out that story, if you will, but we know how the story ends, right? The Grinch got a second chance. We're, we're praying for some of those in our church, aren't we? That, they're gonna, that their heart will grow bigger and bigger. We think of the stories like Ebenezer Scrooge and how he was visited one night. And he saw the past, present, and future. How his life impacted others. How crazy would that be to, if the Lord were to show us a vision of not only the past, present, and future of how our life impacted others by the way we live right now. We know the story. He got a second chance. Don't miss this and I'm through. We think of Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you not realize that God was willing to give Sodom and Gomorrah a second chance. I say that again because I'm going somewhere with this, and I, I, I don't want you to miss it. Do you not realize that God was willing to spare Sodom and Gomorrah? In Genesis 18, we find Abraham, who is known as the friend of God, according to James 2.23, pleading with God to spare the city. He said, God, if there be 50 righteous people, peradventure, Lord, if there be 50 righteous people within the city, would you not spare the city? And God said, I'll take that deal. Abraham knew the sins of that city. I'm sure he heard through the grapevine. Today, we just see it posted on social media. We, we, he, he knew what Lot and his family were into. Abraham was not defending the wickedness of the city. Abraham was not putting his hand of approval on the sins of that city. But I can just say this way. Abraham had family in that city. We know the sins of our nation. We know like Sodom and Gomorrah, God deserves to bring judgment down on our nation. But do we not pray for our nation? Do we not plead for our nation? Abraham knew there were not 50 righteous people within the city. And you know the story. It went from 50 to 40, 40 to 30, 30 to 20, 20 to 10. It got all the way down to Lot's family. 
We won't, we won't have time to do it tonight, but a study that you could do, if you just look at Lot's immediate family, those that his children married, if you just look, 10 people would have been enough. If I could say it this way, if Lot's family be righteous. Lord, if Lot's family are living right, if Lot's family is living the sanctified life, Lord, if, if they're doing what they need to be doing, if they are being a light in that dark part of the world, Lord, would you not spare that city? And you know what God did? He made that deal. God was willing to give Sodom and Gomorrah a second chance. Don't miss this. But Lot stole that second chance chance from them. Sodom and Gomorrah was justly judged. But they didn't have to be judged if there was a Christian living the way he should have lived. Lot, if we could say it this way, was not living as God intended. I could be wrong but I believe God is willing to give America a second chance. I believe there are some Abrahams in church, but I also believe there are some Abrahams in heaven saying, per adventure, Lord, would you not spare that nation? Would you not spare that city? Per adventure, Lord, if there be ten righteous people. I believe God would would be willing to do a work. I, I, I believe there is hope for our day through the power of the Holy Spirit. The question is, are we grieving the Holy Spirit of God or are we giving ourselves in submission to Him? The hope that we have for our nation, for our family, for our church, that hope is not in what man can do, but that God can. And we can abound in that hope, just like the Bible says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. When all seems hopeless, when uh, we can still have joy, we can still have peace, we can still have hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can still see a work done for God. Just as it says in the book of Genesis, as much power is in that statement, in the beginning God created. There was power in verse 2, when the earth was without void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. But the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. There is much darkness in our world today. There is a void in our nation, in our home, in the hearts of men today, a void that only Jesus can fill. But church, we have a great hope. I don't want to disappoint those who are fighting the battle, but I don't want to disappoint those that have fought the battle. I want them to look down at the Emmanuel Baptist Church and go, you know what? I said, per adventure, Lord, God made that deal and God spared that city because of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. But that requires us fulfilling our purpose. That requires us living the sanctified life, being used as God has intended for us to be used. Church, there is this hope. And that hope is a desire that we should all have to see a move of the Holy Spirit. 
As hard as it is to see, we must believe that the Spirit of God is ready to move on the face of the waters today. But I truly that will only come through our willingness to be yielded to His Spirit. To be faithful to let our light so shine before men. To allow our life to be a testament of that hope. A testament to the power of the Holy Spirit. His salvation, His security, His sanctification. A second chance that only He can bring. And with one mind and one mouth we might glorify Him. Someone once said, where there is hope, there is faith. Where there is faith, miracles happen. Well, church, our God is not short on the miraculous. And so as we rejoice this Christmas season, as we reflect on the goodness of God, as we examine all that he has given us, may we give of ourselves this Christmas to him. As we go into the new year with a desire and burden to see great things, May we have this hope with God. All things are possible. Heavenly Father, we thank you.